0: 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 9 through 13 together. But as it is written, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagines what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us. Verse 13, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And then let's also go to one other verse in the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, Proverbs 18, verse 14, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 14. Proverbs 18, 14. The spirit of a man can endure his sickness. I'm reading from the ESV, by the way. The spirit of a man can endure his sickness, but as for a broken spirit, or in the King James, a wounded spirit, who can bear it? Who can bear it? And then one last verse, one last verse, and that's going to be Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. And that'll be... uh, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16 Ephesians 3 verse 16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with all power or with power through his spirit in the inner man heavenly father we just want to ask you that you would Bless these few words that we speak today from your scripture. Lord, that we would hear from you today, that we would be built up on the inner man. Thank you, God, for each person, each family that's represented here. In Jesus' precious name, we pray these things. Amen. may be seated. That was great. Great word from Ryan. Thanks, um, Zane, for sharing as well. <clears throat> I love that verse, and I think I left my water on that chair. Can someone grab that for me? Um, I love that verse that, that um, those verses that were read. Uh, isn't it great how patience let patience have its perfect work? Isn't it awesome? You know what that means? It just means that patience. We are always worried about our patience and us being patient people, and and that's I think one of the one of the hardest things that we struggle with but if we look at the verses here this is not my message but i just want to make a point let patience have her perfect work who's working there who's working in that verse let patience have its perfect work who's working in that verse patience god's patience is working have you tried to be patient lately how's that going (laughs) It doesn't go so well, does it? In the energy of the flesh, we can't produce anything. And we really learn that really quick when we come to the end of ourselves, which is actually the perfect will of God. God wants to bring us to the end of ourselves. Sometimes we come to the end of ourselves. We're like, oh, God, I'm so sorry that I'm at the end of myself, that I did my best and it just wasn't enough. And here I am, a crumpled, smoking mess on the floor before you, forgive me. And God's like, what are you saying? That's exactly what I wanted you to be. Because I wanted you to understand that there is Philippians chapter three, verse three, no confidence in the flesh, right? Mm-hmm. Zero confidence in the flesh. And number two, mm-hmm. that there's no power, that in, 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 in John chapter six, verse 63, that the flesh is weak. And that word is weak is not just weak. It's like it can do a little bit. That word in the Greek means the flesh is weak. It means it's cut off. It's got zero energy to do the will of God. And so when we read the Bible, we're in Bible school, we're in church. When we hear the word of God, when we're reading it at home, remember this. God is not asking your flesh and my flesh to do anything because it cannot do anything. Actually, God did. God only has one relationship with your flesh and my flesh, and that is a cross. It's been crucified 2,000 years ago. Amen. So how often are we dealing with people's flesh and our own flesh and the world's flesh and the world's... And the flesh of politics and the flesh of everything that's out there, we are we're, we're fighting a battle that is not the battle of God. And we talked about that recently in this series that we did on the warfare. And I think that some people were a little surprised by, our, by that series, the way we did it, because I think some of us were expecting a message like, OK, gear yourself up. Get ready. Right. Put on the whole armor and just get, the, you know, just roll up your sleeves and just grit your teeth and just press through it. Okay. Spiritual warfare is, begins with that verse we read in Ephesians chapter 6, stand, stand, fear not, and see the salvation of the Lord. That is that is warfare for a New Testament believer, for you and I as Christians. So we've approached warfare from a unique pers- perspective, a I would say a spiritual perspective, that we do not war with our flesh or anybody else's flesh, nor do we battle with carnal weapons carnal weapons is that word carnal if you speak Spanish you're going to recognize that word carne right it's actually meat the old meat nature we do not wrestle with people's old meat nature we are not using fleshly weapons but spiritual spiritual weapons which are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds where are these strongholds by the way when we read when we read that verse Where are the strongholds that we're talking about in those verses? Where are they? In my household? In my neighborhood? On my street? In my school? At my job? These strongholds are primarily located in the soul. And so, what I want to talk about as we introduce this series on Romans chapter 8, and I love this chapter, if I was to live, if I was marooned on an island and I could only have one chapter of the Bible, this would be the chapter I'd live on. This would be it right here, Romans chapter 8. I think sometimes when people get saved and we lead them to Christ, we give them the gospel of John, which that's what we used to do. That's a very complex book to have someone start off with. It's better just to give them the book of Romans. It's because the, the book of Romans was written to a Roman Western mindset. The book of Mark and the book of Romans were two books that were written or the Western mindset. The book of Mark is a short book. It's to the point. It uses words like immediately and, and action words, which is really our society, isn't it? We are a society of action, um, especially Texas. Um, Texas is a place that there's a very strong work ethic, and it's not legit unless we see something happening. This is a place of action, isn't it? And it's a, it's a state that was built on pioneers and hardship and difficulty and People just coming from these different locations and starting from zero here in Texas. And so that mindset is really here. And that's why the book of Romans and the book of Mark is such a great book for us to be uh, digesting in our culture here. Romans chapter 8, though, is an amazing chapter. And it just talks about our inner life, our, our walk, our spiritual walk, our inner life with God. And I want to just talk about that because many times we have just this trouble understanding And dealing with some very deep, conflicting, and even confusing, powerful, warring dynamic impulses. Feelings that we just, that seem to sometimes just go on inside. All of us face that. This this wave of just emotion. You get bad news. Or something happens. Or someone says something to us. And we just, all of us have been there. I've been there. And we are just, we, we feel like we're on the beach. And we're being, the waves are just crashing on us and we're being thrown against the rocks. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been on the beach? My wife and I were in Hawaii. Actually, we got to go there for free. We're not independently wealthy. But we got to go there because of our company. And I went swimming there, and there was that yellow sign. It had a picture of a guy in the middle of a wave, you know these pictures, being thrown across onto the rocks. And I thought, oh, that's, that can't be me. That's not going to happen, not with these waves. And that, that's what happened. I, I was swimming there, and I actually was airborne, and it landed on the rocks. And that's what we feel like sometimes spiritually, don't we? That something else takes a hold of our life inside and outside, and we find ourselves crashing on the rocks. And this is, this is why we need to understand what we're going to talk about here this morning in Romans chapter 8 in this series in the month of June about the inner life. Because our spiritual life, this is the first point. I just, If you're taking notes, this is point number one. Our spiritual life inside is what overcomes we're going to read this later in the book of Romans, chapter eight. Our inner life with God, our vertical, we like to call it, our our communion with God, as as Ryan was talking about today, is what is what the is what the law of aerodynamic dynamics spiritually lifts us up against above that gravitational pull towards the law of sin and death. Amen. Many times people, many times, and I, we say this a lot, but. Many times we find ourselves fighting a fight that's not God's will for us to fight. Amen. And we pick fights and we get into fights with, with the devil. And it's like not even God's will. Because God has, through Jesus Christ, has settled that battle on the cross. And so our Christian life is not a life that's, though we have warfare. and it's a, But it's not a warfare of the flesh. It's a good fight of faith, right? It's a good fight of Paul said to Timothy, war good warfare and what is that what is faith it's me emotionally trying to make it happen or believe You've got to believe heart and know. that's just the energy of the soul that's just flesh energy fighting the good for warfare of faith is called faith rest right resting in what's already been done you know we're here this is great i just love seeing god put this church together and just things happening and it's a work of faith it's not me trying to generate something in my own emotions or in my own energy. <coughs> we, were at a, we were at Whataburger uh, the other night at midnight, <laughs> eating burgers. <coughs> Unadvisable, by the way. <laughs> Massive burgers at midnight. And we we're just talking about this. we were talking about church planning and, and sometimes like it does not get easier. Uh, it does get easier. It is very easy when God is doing it, and we just rest in what he's doing. And so I just want to say three things this morning. Number one, what is the human spirit? I just want to talk about these things. What is the human spirit? Number two, the priority of our inner life with God. This is so important, and we need to hear this, and this is going to change our Monday morning. What is the priority of our spiritual inner life? And then number three, the solitude. And I'm going to explain this in a minute. The solitude of the spiritual inner life. What is that solitude of the inner life? I want to talk about that. So number one, the priority of our, what is the human spirit? What is the human spirit? Well, first of all, and I know that we know this, but maybe we don't. We are tripart beings, meaning that we're made of three parts. Number one, we're body. Anybody know that they didn't have a physical body? (laughs) We have a physical body. Number two, we have a soul. And that physical body is world conscious. It's 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 aware of the world. It's a style's. The latest, greatest, whatever it is, it is aware of, of of just what is happening in politics, in fashion, and in education, and the whole world of this system that we live in. The second part is a soul. We are we a are soul. And that, part, that soul is made up of six parts. I know we've taught five, but I believe there's six parts. There's six parts to that soul. And this soul is not God-conscious, and it's not world-conscious. What is it? It is... Self-conscious. It's just aware of what it wants. Babies, when they, you know, when when a baby starts to grow and you get, you can see their soul developing, you can start to see their little preferences, their food desires, what they don't want to eat, when they want to sleep, when they don't want to sleep. These little, you can see the little soul start to grow. Soul is self-conscious. Soul is self-awareness. And then number three, the spirit. Every human being has a spirit. And and. It is a higher consciousness, and I don't want to sound New Age here, but it's, a, it's an awareness of something that's greater than the world, and myself, it's aware of something greater. It is God-conscious. It is God-conscious. God and most of Christianity, and I don't say this in some arrogant way that I'm some spiritually elite person because I'm not, I'm a learner, but most of Christianity functions in the first two, in their body, and in their soul. They live in self-awareness and they live in people awareness. World consciousness. Okay, does that make sense? When a person comes to church, many times they're not thinking, okay, do I want to go to this church or do I not want to go to this church? They, they're coming in and they're aware of just, and this is normal, this happens. They're aware physically of the physical ambiance of things and they're also aware of how do I feel here. Okay, and those are, those are legitimate questions. But there's a higher question. What is the spiritual mind of God? So we are made of of three things, spirit. So what is the human spirit? I love this topic. Oswald Chambers does a great job describing this in his book called Biblical Psychology. Don't be afraid of that. How many of you have studied psychology here or studying psychology? Okay, get that book. Get that book. If you can't get it, I will send it to you. This This is a great book by Oswald Chambers on biblical psychology, and it talks about a topic that is so is so untouched what is the human spirit often the human spirit is mistaken for the soul this is what people would call today the emotional energy passion for life that's what that which propels us out into life makes us want life makes us want to take it on navigate and deal with it they say that that is the spirit but i would say that is not the spirit that is more a soul energy that is more Uh, A passion for life because of self-awareness i'm aware of what i want and that's what's going to motivate me you know i want to do this i want to be educated i want to do this i'm self-aware and then that's the soul and that just propels a person into life but that is not the spirit the human spirit the human spirit is fallen before salvation before we are saved every part of us fell we fell in our body we fell in our soul, and also our, our human spirit has, was fallen. And the only thing, and before salvation, your spirit, and there's a lot of discussion about, is the spirit dead? Is the spirit incapacitated? Is the spirit even there? I would say that the spirit is there, but it's just incapacitated. It's handicapped. It is paralyzed. It's not functioning. It's, it's not what it's supposed to be doing. The only thing that a, the human spirit, that what your spirit, my spirit can do, before we believe on Jesus Christ and the gospel of grace is just point us in the direction of the grace and the gospel of God, the righteousness of God. And when we discover that, and we believe on Jesus Christ, who is a gift of grace, freely he has given us, uh, freely he, he has been given to us, will he not give us all things? This is a gift of grace. When we, can, when we begin to taste the gracious gift of Jesus Christ there is an awakening, there is a quickening, there's a regeneration of, a, of that human spirit. And it's sanctified. At that moment, when you believed on Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, your spirit was set apart. It was sanctified. It became, it became something that was not there before. It is a brand new, it is a brand new creature. It is the human spirit. The human spirit. Our tripart being can be like a house. Our body is like the corpus of the house, the frame of the house. Our soul is what is inside the house, the furniture, the ambiance, the curtains, the colors of the walls. But our spirit is really the window, and it's the skylight of that house. It's that part of us that we we can look through and we can see God. We can see heaven. And that's That spirit, and I don't want to sound too mystical here or... Weird, but God, when He speaks to you, His words in John 6, verse 63, they are spirit and they are life. When God speaks to you, is He's speaking spirit, and He's not speaking soul, He's not speaking soulish energy, He's not speaking mental intellect, or He's speaking, He's speaking life to us. And this is why you and I, we are creatures that are spiritual creatures. We need spiritual life. We need I think what happens is, is that when we get discouraged and we just kind of dilapitate into our soul, um, we so easily become, our soul begins to cleave to the dust, like David said, quicken thou me according to thy word, my soul cleaves to this earth and the wisdom of this earth and what I should do according to the earthly, earthly wisdom. What happens is, is that we begin to try to feed the soul. We try to feed that soul with what makes us comfortable, what makes us excited. The soul is made up of the, the mind, the will, the emotions, the consciousness, our, you know, our, our self-awareness. And, um, and I, I want to get into that later. But we try to feed that soul with something to make us feel better when really the answer is looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but the but that salvation in, in Proverbs chapter twenty verse twenty seven, our our spirit is just quickened. It's like it's like a lighter. It's it's like a candle that's lit. Proverbs twenty verse twenty seven says the spirit of a man is the what candle of the Lord, right? I remember when we lived in Baltimore, we had a blackout for several days. We were in a neighborhood. There was no lights, and um, we had just gotten our dog, and so I was walking the dog and I was walking down the street. It was pitch black, it was at night. Nothing, nothing was, you couldn't see anything. And I'm walking down the street with our, except for the, the white dog, there's nothing else. You could see nothing else except for my white dog. And my wife had put in the windows candles just to light up the house. I remember being quite a ways off from our house, not really seeing anything. When I looked down the road and I saw my house, I could see the candle, which was about that big. And it was just a, just a very, you know, just a small candle. The least amount of light dispels all darkness, doesn't it? The power of light, the power of the light. We know that the light is the word of God. The, the, the spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. And when you and I get saved, that candle is lit. He lights a fire there. There's a fire there that we didn't have before. God has a spirit. We read these, we and read, we read this in the verses that we read at the beginning. God has a spirit, and the Holy Spirit searches out every part of God's soul. Same thing with the spirit of a man. Your spirit knows everything that's going on in your soul. It searches out every corner of your soul. How many of you computer-capable individuals have ever seen your computer indexing? See that? Indexing information. Indexing. What it's doing is your computer is going through the entire hard disk and indexing every bit of information so that it's at hand to be recalled at any second. That is what the spirit does in a man. It is indexing. It is reading every part of your soul, knowing your soul, the good content and the corrupt content. It is knowing that. The human spirit knows the condition and content of every room and corner of our soul. So, I'm going to get to the practical here in a second. What is the difference between the spirit of a man and the heart of a man? Well, in the Hebrew mindset, in contrast to the Greek mindset, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, right? And so the Hebrew mindset was very holistic, Hebrews didn't take things apart and look at things individually. Like you would take apart a car engine and there's the carburetor. Do we have have carburetors anymore in cars? I don't think we do. (laughs) We have something else. Fuel injectors. And we take things apart and we look at things individually. The, The Hebrew mind didn't do that. It looked at the whole picture. And sometimes it's hard to see the difference between spirit and soul and heart. I would say this just for simplicity's sake, for us to understand that the spirit of a man is really his heart. This is really the core of an individual. And this spirit, this heart is the core of us. And the condition of our heart, our heart, if we could draw a picture today, our heart's like soil. And this is what the gospel says, that the heart is like soil. And the soul is like a tree that's planted in that soil. And based on the condition and the health of that soil, whether, whether it's teachable Spiritually teachable or not Is going to determine the health of that tree And the fruit of that tree And that's our soul And so the spirit really makes up the heart It's the core of a person It's the heart of a person Is really where Where my heart is Is where my mind is going to go Wherever my heart is My soul is going to follow after that If my heart is In Romans chapter 8 If, if I'm after God Seeking God while Hungering after God then every part of my soul, every part of my soul, all five parts or six parts of my soul are going to be after God, seeking after God. And God's going to reward that. God's going to reward that. And so this is the human spirit. The human spirit is so important to understand because this is where God wants our Christianity to take place. God doesn't because the spirit of a man is going to impact the health of his soul, right? And it's going to impact his physical body. And so if I'm healthy, this is third John chapter, 3rd uh, John verse 2. It says that you may prosper according to the, in, in paraphrasing, in, by according to the health of your soul. Yes. If my soul is healthy, then my physical body is going to reap that. I'm not going to be living in stress or I'm not going to be living, even though my body is fallen and it's subject to diseases and um, the physical world that I live in, it is possible that if my soul is healthy, Because it's being governed by the Holy Spirit, then my physical body can reap peace, it can sleep better, and I'm not gonna be a nervous wreck all the time. So what is the so that's the what's the priority? That's the human spirit. What is the priority of our inner life? Now I think that when we say this, some people start feeling condemned, like, oh, okay, I didn't pray this morning. Pastor's gonna talk about prayer, I didn't read my devotional, I didn't pray with my wife or my, my family. And we're going to feel condemned. And and especially if you're a husband, you're going to feel, um, I don't want you to feel this way, but whenever we talk about, or whenever you hear spoken about your, your vertical with God, your inner life, your communion with God, the devil wants to make you feel condemned. That's just the opposite of what God is doing here today. Amen. What I'm saying is, is that the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, invites us into communion. Amen. Because we in ourselves, and let's... The sooner we realize this, the, the, the easier it's going to be with our Christianity and we're going to understand the riches of grace more. But that we in our own, and this is what the book of Isaiah says, <clears throat> no man seeks God. I think sometimes people like to say, oh, I sought God out and I found him and I had all these choices and do you know something. It was God that drew us. God drew us to himself. It was Peter, James, and John fishing at a, on a beach somewhere in the, in the Galilee Sea and Jesus came to them and called them. This is the call of God. It's not me finding God. Because if you leave us to ourselves, we don't find God. We find what? Ourselves. It's a it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a journey of self-discovery. I gotta get moving here. The, pri- the priority of the inner spiritual life. Do you know something? Our life, our inner life, there's nothing more important than building this up and just building yourself up in the new spirit man, the inner man the new person, building ourselves up in our spirit. If you're facing today and every person in this room is a difficult situation, whether internally or externally. And if I'm preaching, don't feel like I'm picking on somebody because I don't know what's happening, but every one of us face difficulties. And when we face these difficulties, the answer is not, I've got to change my physical situation or I've got to, I've got to change my, you know, i got to, i got to live more self-centered, but really it is building myself up in the spirit man, building myself up. This is what Bible school is. This summer, uh, Tuesdays and Friday mornings at seven o'clock, we're just going to have some classes just to build ourselves up, building ourselves up. When a man says, and this is what the Bible says here in the in another verse that we had read earlier, a man's spirit sustains him in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. Here's what it's saying. This is what this verse is saying. A broken body can be sustained with difficulty by a strong spirit. But a crushed or broken spirit can never be sustained or carried by the strongest body of all. If my spirit is broken, for whatever reason, if my spirit is crushed, and I'm living in that state, it's going to affect my soul, and it's going to affect my body. And no amount of Netflix, no amount of Fortnite. (laughs) I want to check that out. Oh, snap. (laughs) No amount of any of that. I haven't. I got to check out Fortnite, but <laughs> I didn't even know what that was. We were riding back home from an outreach Saturday night, and these guys were in my car talking, and then it they sounded like they started speaking another language, like Dubs and all this stuff. I was like, "What are you guys talking about?" And They were talking about Fortnite. None of that is going to build up my soul in a way that is going to make me prepared to face my situation and face my face my. I need spiritual content. In other words, the proverb is getting at something actually the whole Bible gets at. We human beings are obsessed with the idea that our happiness is determined by what? External circumstances. If I could just change my circumstance, right? The Bible actually says that has nothing to do with your circumstances. True happiness, or what we call joy, is determined by how you deal with your circumstances from inside thinking with God how do you process my wife and I were when we were overseas with her mom every day we just talked about this how are we processing what we're seeing how are we processing this in our mind how do we process it from the inside in this in our spiritual vertical with God how do we address and how do we view it Paul here is writing in, in the book of Ephesians to churches that were in great difficulty they were just being persecuted there was a lot of external trouble He's writing to churches where the government had broken into some of their homes and taken families to jail. Yet, do we see Paul saying in his prayer, Guys, I'm praying for you that the authorities would not come and and that you would be protected and that you would not suffer. We don't see that. But I pray that way. (laughs) I pray for people's protection. I think it's a good prayer to pray. But what the primary prayer here of Paul is, is that in Ephesians 3 verse 16 this is his prayer for the Ephesian church that's in trouble. He's saying that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be what? what what's that word there? Strengthened. <clears throat> that you may be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner man. There, that's just, that is the key point right here today. If you remember one thing from this message, if remember Ephesians 3 verse 16. Memorize this verse. Paul is saying, I'm praying that you would be strengthened through the Holy Spirit in the inner man. Are you facing temptation? Are you facing some difficult decisions in your life? Are you facing some crazy situations around you? Are, you? are you just discouraged with your work situation? Are you failing personally and nobody knows about it? Are you struggling with something? Do not approach this struggle in the energy of your flesh and I would say this number two and I, I'm, I'm, I'm I hope this doesn't surprise you. But don't listen to people that are telling you to go in the energy of your flesh. Go fight that battle. Draw near to the Holy Spirit. Draw near to God. Draw near to the grace of God. Because Paul said it's not, it was not I, but it was the grace of God that was working in me, right? These are because every aspect of, the, of God, every aspect, his patience, his love, his, every aspect of his nature is a person. And it's action. It's an action word. Amen. He's saying that if your life is broken, all things are wrong and your spirit is strong and powerful. You can move into this world and into this situation from a point of strength. You ever watch a boxing match? And let's say, let's use, let's use basketball. Okay. How many watched the the recent game where, unfortunately, the Rockets lost? They lost two games and they lost I don't know, I'm not a pro, but it seemed they lost it seemed like they were a really strong first half, right? Mm-hmm. Then the second half I don't know what happened in the locker room, but um, who were they playing, actually? State. Yeah. They came out of the locker room and they were like they were like a different team, right? And I think that's the way the Christian can be is that we can get really beat up. You know? And we just need to go into the locker room with, with Jesus and with the gospel and just get built up in the inner man. And get, just, just get talked to by grace. When that happens, we get built up. And when we come out, we're just another person. Don't get wrapped up in how much we're getting beat up. Because when we're built up in the spirit, all the brokenness and the wounds and the pain in our soul can be healed. This is the last point I want to make here first thing i said was what is the spirit and human spirit number two i talked about the priority of our inner life with god have communion with god being built up in the inner man and the third thing here is the solitude of the inner life and i would say that until i discovered prayer and until i discovered communion with god in the midst of a major crisis i was a very bankrupt christian um until I discovered what it meant to have communion with God in the spirit and prayer. Uh, until I discovered how to respond to the initiations of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus would say, come away with me. Let's be in solitude for a while. Uh, we need that. We really do. We need solitude. We need, to be, we need to come away with him. Take a day and say, guess what guys? Phone's going off. Computer's going off. Everything's going off. I'm, gonna, I'm going to go away. And just hear from God, and just listen to God, and I'm going to be, and He's going to speak to me. And I'm not going, to, I'm not going to even bring my prayer list. I'm just going to go and listen to God, because sometimes our our long prayer lists can be such a distraction. When we get through that prayer list, and we're like, okay, I'm done. But just sit down for like 15 minutes, and it's a struggle at first. You're, a lot of stuff's going to come to your mind. Uh, things are going to happen. You're going to feel like you have to leave. But just take time. And if you have to get up at the crack of dawn or if you have to wait, if you have to go to bed late at night, just do this because your whole life is going to change. You're going to have stability in your emotions. Your physical body is going to be centered into where it's supposed to be as a creation, centered around a spiritual life, solitude in the inner life. And I just want to say something. Our insides, the movements and the motions of our soul are so complex The Bible says that it's so complex that we can't even know it. Jeremiah 17, verse 11. They're so hidden. And guess what? Nobody is going to fully understand you. I just really want you to understand that. Nobody on this planet, not even the closest family member or closest friend, is going to fully understand you. they are not going to understand me. And because of that, that can create sometimes loneliness. It can create expectations that we have as beings that... As creatures that need love and care and hugs and just intimacy, that's going to cause sometimes a sense of loneliness or anger. Or it may actually cause us to depend on people and say, you know what, I need a wife or I need a husband or I I need this thing in my life or I need this certain kind of relationship. But you know something, because of the complexity of who we are, there is something inside of you that can only be filled by the presence of God and the presence of the word of God and the presence of his Holy Spirit. Nothing else can fill that. No other person, no other objects, no other car or house or or diploma or standard of living can ever fill that. And therefore, we sometimes, when we are when we are not living with that intimacy with God, we can live in loneliness. And a couple loneliness and add add to that um, the pressures of life, the pressures of family, the pressures of your career. That was not the way we were made. And Proverbs chapter 10, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 10 explains this. Finally found a verse that that would explain this. Each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can share its joy. So I I hope that's not bad news, but I want us to understand that there's a part of you and I that no person could ever meet and that we should never expect other people to meet. We got to get that from God, right? The curse of any relationship, friendship, dating or marriage happens or business relationship or whatever kind of relationship that we have. The curse of that relationship is when I put on somebody else something that only God can give me. Is that clear? Because when I live in this expectation from someone else, it puts an undue stress on them. Marriage, friendship, any kind of relationship first has to begin with my relationship with God. If I'm good with God... If I'm good with God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a real big head start on all of my relationships and everything that I'm doing. And so we don't even understand ourselves. We have absolutely no idea what's all down in there, and I don't wanna really, really want to even know. And you and I have a better idea than anybody else, but nothing compared to what God can see. And So we have this sense of loneliness, but we don't have to live there. When we have an inner spiritual walk, intimate communion with God in our spirit and in our life, we are no longer alone in this world, and we can face lonely situations and yet have what it takes. I want to finish with this. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we live in that communion with God, and how does that work practically? When we allow the words of life in John 6, verse 63 to quicken us, when we open the word of God, and we let it speak to us, and we let it pour into our soul, then that quickens us on a spiritual level, and it's like standing on a, <clears throat> on a mountaintop, everything is so much clearer, and so much, I understand where I am, how many of you have ever gone hiking, in the woods, and you're just out there, and it's, everything kind of looks the same, but when you get to that peak, or that elevated place, you can kind of see like, oh this is where I came from, this is where we're going, uh, this is the weather that's coming, when we do that with God, when we meet with Jesus, in prayer, when we draw near to him, and again, prayer is not your exercise towards God. That, that's just legalism. That's Judai. That's the Judai That's the Judaistic message that followed Paul everywhere we, he went. He went to to Galatia. The Judaizers followed him. And believe me, we're hearing a grace message. And there's going to be spiritual Judaizers that will follow after. That will try to. Um, that will try to um, corrupt your simple faith in Jesus Christ. When we draw in when. When we say Jesus call me and I will come, that's what it says in Song of Solomon, right? Call me and we will run after you. That's what it says. Call me, and it's the woman speaking to uh, to the bridegroom. Call me and I will come after you. And that's what we, we want to do. God, I don't pray enough. God, just call me, and I'll pray. And then it won't be it won't be a question about how much or how little. Call me. God, I don't have a conviction in this area of my life. I seem to be failing in this area. God, give me a conviction. Let your word permeate my soul and let it re- resonate with your heart and your mind so that so that, that is my conviction as well. Yes. God, I don't have patience in this situation. Well, no condemnation. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And so next Sunday's message is going to be so awesome because it's going to be one of the greatest declarations of the church today. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, period. No condemnation. There is no condemnation. Stop condemning yourself. Stop condemning other people. And don't live in that condemnation. Just allow allow the Holy Spirit to draw you to himself and just say yes. This is our part. Belief is just saying yes and look. Yes and look. That's that's what repentance is. Got to repent of this sin. Okay, I named it. That takes about whatever 30 seconds or whatever that does. And then I, now I look at Jesus Christ. Sometimes people say, well, you got to be really sorry. <laughs> you got to have a lot of sorrow. You know, the godly sorrow that's talked about. You got to really sorrow for your sins. I don't know without the Holy spirit. I can't sorrow for my sins because actually without God, without Jesus, without the Holy spirit, I love my sin. <laughs> I like it. You know, I just like, cause I'm a fallen creature. But when the Holy Spirit comes into our life and we draw near to who we are in Jesus Christ as a brand new creation with no, with no history in the flesh. I love this. Galatians chapter 1 verse 14. I'm going to finish with this. Paul said, when I was in my mother's womb, okay, I was sanctified and set apart for the gospel. Isn't that great? Paul said that before there was any history in his flesh, in his mother, mother's womb, before he even committed his first sin, He was already sanctified in the gospel. He was already called by God. Meaning this, that before you and I had any history, any track record, any background issues in our life, we already had a history with God. And when we think this way, we are spiritually minded. We're thinking with God and our soul's going to get healed and our physical body can actually get healed because God still heals physical bodies today. I want to read this one, one, one old hymn about Jesus walking with us through every dark valley. He's the only one that can understand you. He's the only one. And I I like this hymn. You're going to recognize it. It's by C. Austin Miles. He wrote it in 1912. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. Hallelujah. And a joy we share as we tarry there. None other has ever known. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we do not walk this life alone. Lord. That in many ways we are creatures of solitude. But we are not left to ourselves because Jesus walks into our garden. And he talks to us and he walks with us. And he tells us that we are his own. And that joy that we share is not based on any happy circumstances. But I can be in the worst of circumstances and just have inner peace in my heart. And Lord, maybe we're not there. Maybe we're not there today. It's okay. There's no condemnation. If I'm not happy in my situation or my, or my life or whatever's going on, my financial situation... It's okay. There is no condemnation. Just ask Jesus to draw you into himself. And when you do that, he responds. Let's do that today as we close in prayer. Just let him draw you to himself. If you need to, get alone with God and just listen to God speak to you through his word. Not self-pity, not anger, not self-disappointment or any of those psychological games we play, but just let him speak to you in the inner man and build you up in your spirit, because it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit in us, Lord. And we thank you in Jesus' precious name. We pray these things. Amen.